I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I've been uh, thinking a lot about the future of the church. Um, the, we're in a time of loss and uncertainty in the organized church, um, and not just Anglican, not just locally. Uh, that's a, this is a much broader phenomenon in our Western society, and uh, it preoccupies my thoughts, as you might expect. And so um, with the thinking that I've been doing about the future of the church, the challenges, what opportunities there may be, all that kind of um, reflection, uh, it should come as no surprise that it's Jeremiah that uh, jumps out at me this morning with this discussion of the remnant that will be regathered to Israel. And uh, this is not a new thought. I, I know that we were talking about remnant theology in seminary in the 90s uh, when it became clear that Christendom was on its way out, if not already gone, even in the 90s. Uh, and we had to uh, rediscover what our faith was about if it wasn't going to be hand in glove with what it meant to be a citizen of, of the Western world. And so we are, we are still in that process. It's somewhat more advanced, and the challenges seem uh, different in uh, degree, if not in kind. And so I want to just take a minute to put the reading we have about this return of the remnant into the context of Jeremiah and what has transpired in Jeremiah up until this discussion of the remnant and the return. Um, and we have to put it in context that Jeremiah, I mean, there's a, there's a word in English called a Jeremiah for a reason. Jeremiah has taken a rather dim view of what's been going on in Israel. Um, how it has been unfaithful to its own covenant and how the, uh, the overrun by, um, first it was Assyria and then Babylon, uh, conquering them and enslaving their best and their brightest um, was because of the breakdown of the covenant, because Israel had forsaken its own responsibilities in the covenant. And so Assyria and Babylon were the hand of God visiting punishment, the, the deserved punishment upon Israel. And uh, and so the, the first part of Jeremiah, he's talking about that. And then the next part of Jeremiah, he's talking about this situation where you have a local king in Israel and you have the old king, which is in exile in Babylon with the old court. So the, the, the former generation of leaders is, is, has been taken away to be slaves in Babylon. And a new generation of leaders who are supposed to be subject to the empire are now installed in Israel and um, they are surrounded by uh, some version of Israelite society, which includes official prophets and priests who are all saying, oh, this is a temporary setback. We are the chosen people. God is going to destroy our oppressors and restore Israel to its former glory. And, I, and Jeremiah is the one who's saying, no, that's not actually going to happen. So you have Jeremiah, who we know with hindsight was the voice of the Lord and did have it correct, uh, castigating the, the naive and um, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the folks that are in denial about the current state of Israel and of uh, Israelite faith. And so Jeremiah has just finished saying, the folks that are in exile, our hope is now with you. You are the remnant of Israel who are responsible for 
for maintaining our traditions and our life and our people. What it means to be Jewish is now on you. The folks that are here have abandoned it. And this, this community that is left in the land is going to be overrun. And anyone who says otherwise is not of the Lord. And there's some back and forth about that. And after he finishes telling the local people that they are going to be destroyed, he then says, but the Lord is not done with Israel. There will be a future. There is a future for the people of God, and that future will come at some point. And, then, and at that time, God will gather the people back together, and there will be a, restore, a, a, a restoration to the land. And Jeremiah, in a later passage, we may come to it um, in a future Sunday, uh, says that God will then create a new covenant, which is not like the old covenant, a covenant written on the heart. Um, and a, a covenant that is known by the greatest to the least of you and, and isn't written on tablets of stone. And so as Christians, we relate to these readings. We say, yes, our Christian uh, faith is in some way that covenant written upon the heart. And so we are the new thing that God has done that was a, a development of the old thing. And so it carries the essential qualities of the old while, um, while reshaping it to a new context. And so the old thing had to die and the new thing had to be born. And so that is God's, God's action of renewal and God maintaining those promises in perpetuity. So that, that concept of the remnant um, uh, that is being carried by a people in exile living subject to a society that doesn't care who they are and, uh, and has no interest in what they're doing and what they believe became the, the, uh, a very useful analogy for us in the present day looking at Christianity and society. That, you know, some of us are old enough to remember when, um, when the word Christian meant good citizen, and good citizen meant Christian. And that is clearly no longer the case. Um, and and the, the crisis that we are in is a crisis of, of disentangling ourselves from our culture and asking, so who are we and what are we anyway? If, if what we are is something that is somehow distinct from being a good citizen, what is that? And there are no shortages of answers. And, and, um, the, and in times of, of instability and loss, there are always demagogues that will rise up and say, this is the answer, follow me and it'll all be fine. And there are lots of those and lots of um, uh, lots of folks that, that claim to have the answer and, and all we have to do is either uh, get on board with the culture or all we have to do is fight the culture tooth and nail and own the libs and do all that kind of stuff. And there, there's no shortage of that. My view on it, my discernment of it, is that neither of those answers are correct. That the, that the, the way forward for the people of God is not to capitulate to the culture, but neither is it to define yourself in opposition to it. I think the task for the people of God is to discern what it is that the faith is all about and to, to restore that and to, to find the new shape of what that looks like in whatever the new society uh, becomes. And we look back to that experience of the Israelites in exile and we see that the Babylonian period was a period of intense flowering and development of the Jewish faith. The Jewish faith renewed itself and reinvigorated itself in exile. And so for me, if we are following the pillar of fire and cloud through the wilderness in this period for the church, um, 
we will find ourselves in a period of renewal and reinvigoration even as the context seems to be one of irrelevance and subjugation. So this remnant theology is, I believe, more relevant than ever. And if we are going to be the remnant carrying what Christianity is and figuring out what Christianity is supposed to be and called to be, we have to be even more attentive to the workings of the Spirit in our community, in our faith, in, in our engagement with our spiritual life. I, I, I'll just do a hand wave towards another possible subject of reflection, which is the Hebrews reading, which again refers to a a shift from the temple sacrifices to Jesus as the high priest, where there's something that is consistent in that, that, um, uh, that tradition, where there is something about a high priesthood that is still active and relevant in our understanding of our relationship with God, and yet the, the shape that that high priesthood has taken is almost unrecognizable. And again, it is a destruction of the old way and a re-understanding and a rebuilding of a new way, which is a development and a reinvigoration of the faith. And that's all I'll, I'll say about that one. Uh, but my only point is that there is a, there's a continuous process. If you look at the spiritual history of everything that led up to Christianity, there has always been a process of destruction and... and um, reflection and rebuilding and reconstruction and every time we go through those periods that tends to be uh, those tend to be the periods of the greatest reinvigoration and uh, and re-energizing of the faith tradition not to say that everything is going to be fun it's hard work and it can involve pain and loss and yet God is never closer to us than when we are in the wilderness and in that process of death and resurrection. So in my own reflections and guesses as to where the heart of the faith is and where it continues to endure in relevance and, and uh, in, in being a compelling narrative, um, I go to the gospel and you have the healing of blind Bartimaeus. And whatever Jesus is about, whatever God is about, it has something to do with bringing sight to the blind. And there, that's, you can interpret it in a variety of ways. I tend to be more symbolic about the, the restoring of sight to blindness. I don't think it's just about the alleviation of suffering uh, in a literal sense. I think that there is something uh, of a spiritual icon in the the restoring of sight to blind by Bartimaeus, where there's a spiritual blindness. And one of the things that encountering Jesus does is that it, it, it uh, cures us of a spiritual blindness and allows us to see our experience and human life with new eyes. And for me, as I look at where our secular culture is going and the, the effects of social media on, on the, uh, the, the community at large, the the challenges we face, uh, facing humanity and our political life and our safety and our stability and our economic life and all the rest of it, um, the, there's a blindness that I, I identify with narcissism, that we live in a culture of narcissism. We live in a culture that says it is all about me. It's about my entitlements, my rights, my privilege, whatever it is. It's about me. 
Um, I am the client, and whoever you are are the service provider. And that's a kind of spiritual blindness. And the the and conversion, the encounter with Jesus, heals us of that blindness and, and, and allows us to see that the purpose of life is not about what's best for me, but how I can serve others. And so you get back to that two commandment uh, rules of thumb. If life is about loving God and loving neighbor, it's a completely different life than life that is about getting what I can out of it. And that is like moving from blindness to sight. Everything changes. The perspective, you're still in the same place, but you see it differently and you live it differently. And that is a qualitative change in your experience of life. That, that is conversion. That is the encounter with God. That is the coming of the Holy Spirit. Whatever metaphor from our vocabulary you want to apply to it, that is that moment. That's what Christ does. And Christ is here to do that. And the need for that is only growing. So as we become less and less culturally relevant as far as the culture is concerned, we become more and more necessary in terms of the people who are actually living in the culture. When have we ever needed more to learn how to live for others and not for ourselves? When have we ever needed more to realize that we are all children of God together and that we are brothers and sisters of each other? We are not uh, interests that are in competition with each other. We are, at some level, siblings, because if we are human, we are in the image and likeness of God. So, so as, we, uh, as we, we decline institutionally and culturally, we become, paradoxically, more and more relevant in terms of our core claims and our core gifts. So I see pain and struggle and challenges in the current context, but I also see great opportunity and promise in the current challenges. At this stage, there is no reason to be engaged with a church except for reasons of faith. There's no, you're not going to get good business contacts here. You're not going to find a spouse. You know, those things are not the way they used to be. Um, we don't have the dances on Saturday night where you can just uh, have a good time and be a community together. It's not the same. But that allows us to drill down and be more focused in who and what we are and, and take this remnant time and allow God to change us and shape us into who God intends for us to be. And my last point is, if I'm going to have to do that with anybody, I, I give thanks every day that I get to do that with you. Uh, because I cannot, I cannot imagine a better community of more faithful people who are more engaged in the genuine questions of faith than the community with whom I interact on a day-to-day -day basis right in this place. So I thank God for you, and I thank God for this opportunity to, to rediscover our faith anew and find out what God has in store for us as a faith, as a community of faith, and what God may be doing in each of our lives individually and with all of us together. And so, with that in mind, thanks be to God. Amen.